Hey, it's Kristen. Thank you for joining us on Rational in Portland. Thanks for joining us on Rational in Portland. I'm really excited to have friend of the podcast, Sharon Myron, on today. Sharon is on the Multnomah County Commission. She's one of our commissioners. She ran for chair in the 2022 election. I think she should have won, but, you know, she didn't. And so I think the question is, how can we best support her? She wrote an absolutely incredible op-ed in The Oregonian about homeless policies and about how nothing is getting done and a whole lot of money is being wasted. And it was very, very brave for her to do that because as we know from her last episode, the chair controls everything. Sharon virtually has no say. She needs additional votes to really do much of anything or pressure the chair to get her agenda items up. And so what we need to do I think, is vote for Julia Brim Edwards, who has pledged to give Sharon her support and assist her with some reasonable policies and some accountability in regard to homelessness. If you heard Julia's episode, you know that she is saying a lot of the same things that Sharon is saying in her op-ed that was in the Oregonian April 23rd, 2023. It's entitled Opinion, an Opportunity for a Reset on Homeless Strategy in Multnomah County, and it just drops truth bombs all over the place. I mean, she says, having invested hundreds of millions of dollars into solving, quote unquote, homelessness, we have little visible proof that the homeless services tax has achieved success. This is a sitting commissioner talking about a tax that her own commission is collecting. And she says, having served on the Multnomah County Commission for six years, I can personally attest there's no centralized governance structure or coordinated plan to end homelessness. We don't have accurate data on how many people are experiencing homelessness, what their needs are, and there's little accountability on where taxpayer dollars are being spent or what we are getting for our money. It's just, she keeps going. I mean, paragraph after paragraph. We've spent years fixating on shiny new objects like safe rest villages, urban campsite that suck all the air out of the room but represent only tiny pieces of the multidimensional housing puzzle. We're wasting valuable time squabbling over the false dichotomy of housing first versus shelter now. Sharon understands things like mental illness and addiction, and as she says in this op-ed, they are massive contributors to our unsheltered homeless, and they're not factoring into our homelessness strategy. How does she know about this? She's an ER doctor. Still, she does street medicine. She still does ER medicine. So she is experiencing this in a way not a lot of people are, except for, you know, she's got the medical expertise, but the only other person that I can think of that is interfacing one-on-one with the homeless like that is Kevin Dahlgren. And Sharon comes at it from a totally different perspective. Of course, she comes at it from the perspective, as opposed to an outreach person, she comes at it from the perspective of an ER doctor. But the other thing is, she's got this Multnomah County Commissioner piece. So policy-wise, she wants to solve it. 
And as she's treating her patients and observing what's going on, she, she, I mean, she's so smart. She's, she has a law degree too. She was a lawyer for a while and her, the schools she's gone to are absolutely incredible. Um, the point is she is looking through this. She's looking at this through a lens that a lot of people are not. In fact, most people are not because they're just policymakers sitting behind the bench. To the extent they interact with the homeless, they might go to, you know, Blanche House. They might go to the food bank. They might hand out some sack lunches. Sharon is, like Kevin, boots on the ground. And that's why I like her and I respect her so much because she is seeing what's going on with the homeless face to face. And she's laying, she's literally laying her hands on them. So, of course, I want to talk to Sharon about her op-ed. I want to get caught up. I want to find out how we can best support her because she's kind of in this alone. I think most of the time she's going to have a vote from Lori Stegman, who's the only other person on that commission right now that seems at all reasonable and, and willing to take a look at these kind of issues through the same lens. Um, frankly, I think Jessica Vega-Peterson has been a surprise in terms of the way she's been willing to work with Sharon, and I'm, I'm totally thrilled with that, but we still need that third vote to help pressure the county. We've got an incredible amount of people testifying at Multnomah County through Portland Party, so if you want to line up to testify, please get on their email list. If you're already on the email list, send them an email and tell them you'd like to testify about whatever particular topic you're interested in. They can help you do it. They can tell you what time to show up, when to show up, they can provide you with talking points if you don't know what to say. If you have a gist about what you want to say, they can help you finesse it. I mean, these are people who aren't getting paid for what they're doing. I, Everybody I know that's actually doing things over there, not a single one is taking a dime in any monetary remuneration. So they're all doing this on their own time. These are people just like us who want to fix Portland, who want to help Portland, and are dedicating their own discretionary time and money to do so. So thank you so much to Portland Party. Thanks to everybody who's reached out to Portland Party. I really appreciate it, especially all of you who showed up to testify at the police body camera hearing. I testified, that was last week, and I did a Twitter call out, and those of you who responded, I really, really appreciate it. We got a lot of letters which I love because they're all in the public testimony file. We got a lot of people showing up in person. In fact, we outnumbered the anti-police crew. We got people showing up over the phone, showing up over Zoom, which was fine because a lot of the police anti-body camera crew was showing up on Zoom, so it was a good counterweight. And I just really appreciated it. We got incredible feedback from city council for our support of their unanimous ordinance outfitting police with body cameras. As you know from Aaron Schmatz's episode, they have been wanting body cameras for years. They finally have it. Also, another thing, a lot of people have been asking me about this quote unquote right to rest bill, that bill where you can just kind of flop out on the street wherever you want and it's no problemo and asking if it, the bill is actually dead. My understanding is that it is dead, but I do think it's important that on May 4th, we show up for this hearing or we, if you're at all interested in this kind of homelessness issue and you want to actually fix the root of homelessness and not enable this fourth world situation around here where there are literally bodies dying on our streets every day, especially now that fentanyl is in all these drugs and we've got 
we have no room at the state hospital, no ability to really get people any kind of true mental health care. They're just bodies all over the streets. This is wrong. This is insane. These are open-air drug markets and open-air insane asylums. We cannot let this continue. These people need shelter. And the only way to do that is to keep bills like House Bill 3501 out of circulation and certainly keep them from passing. So even though it's dead, it's still up for that hearing on May 4th. I think it's important that we make sure our voices are heard. And if you need assistance with that, you can find me at Rational MPDX on Twitter. Send me a message and I can send you the links to go ahead and, and do that to, to make your voice heard, assuming that we still have time based on when you contact me. This kind of bill comes up every once in a while. It came up in 2001. It did die. It's coming up again. It's going to keep coming up. The good news is there is a rep in Central Oregon who said that she, this is the most feedback she's ever gotten about a bill, and that she does not support this bill. And I think that is so important because it shows that your voices do matter. It shows that if you reach out to your representatives and make sure that they know how you feel about a particular bill, sometimes, you know, not all the time, not all the time, but sometimes you can actually make progress. You can make big progress. This bill died, not only that, but we've got a Democrat coming out against members of her party who are supporting this bill the quote-unquote right to rest bill, saying, I don't support this. And I think that's incredibly important, and it shows that your emails are not in vain. This was Representative Emerson Levy, or Levy, from Central Oregon, and she says, I do not support 3501. As many have said, the bill is dead and not moving forward. Democracy is about putting sunshine on ideas in an open forum. I've received more emails about this bill than any other bill, and to me that shows an important conversation. She says, let's listen to people, um, and we know that the current methods around homelessness in Portland aren't working for anyone, and that's exactly right, and I think it's profound that she said that. Um, I think it's concerning to a lot of people that there's still going to be this hearing. My understanding from talking to people within the legislature is that that doesn't, it, it's just part of procedure. It doesn't mean anything, but it what it means is it gives you an opportunity to say, I don't want to hear about this bill again. Please do not let this bill be resurrected again. And let people know that, you know, if, if members of your party continue to bring this forward, it's just going to be a waste of their time. Pretty soon it will stop. And we've got to move on to these root causes of homelessness, mental illness, and addiction. So I was on the Brandy Cruz show this morning. As a lot of you know, she was a newscaster in Seattle. She now has her own show. It's called Undivided. You can find it on YouTube. You can also, she has a Patreon. It's just like five bucks a month. Um, you can find all of her full episodes as she's uploading them on YouTube. She's at Brandy Cruz, K-R-U-S-E. Brandy is B-R-A-N-D-I on Twitter. And she is a friend of mine. And I think she's a great common sense centrist voice. I met her at the gala that was part of the North America Recovers Retreat. And the, there was a gala that happened right afterwards to raise money for We Heart Seattle. And all of We Heart Seattle's donors came out, and a whole bunch of homeless people came out. And there was a homeless person at every table that We Heart Seattle had helped. And some of them were housed. Some of them were in shelters. Some of them were in active addiction and actually 
almost all of them were in active addiction and uh, may or may not have been in the process of not um, needing to find new housing. And Andrea Suarez was running around helping all of them, making sure they had what they needed to the extent they did need new housing. She was assisting them with that while she was trying to run this gala. And it was just absolutely incredible. And it was fun to meet a lot of those donors. And that's also where uh, Brandy Cruz was. The chief of police was there. Of course, Michael Schellenberger was there because he, he and Andrea conceived of this whole uh, North America Recovers Coalition. So I really appreciate Brandy having me on the show every once in a while to talk about what's going on in Oregon. And basically what I said is the bill is dead, but it's still important that we we get our voices heard. And, and we talked about some other issues like the body camera hearing and, and why I think the city's doing well. I really do think the city's doing okay. I think what I'm most concerned about and what I'm interested in really talking to Sharon about today is what is going on with the county. So many of us are incredibly concerned with the amount of money that is flowing into the county and the amount of people, frankly, that are leaving the county. The reason I've been thinking about this is because there was some data that came out um, from the Epoch Times, which I don't, um, I'm not necessarily in the business of reading 24-7, but I will say it's data compiled from the IRS, and it scared the living heck out of me. Here's why. So Eric Happel, who is a data guy, and uh, works at a corporation here in Oregon, big Renee supporter. I really like his Twitter, it's citizen underscore Oregon. And he did this just incredible, put, put together this, this incredible data from the IRS showing that in Oregon, 2020 and 2021, we had a net outflow of $120 million of our tax base, 120 million, so 9,000 taxpayers leaving. Here's where it gets really interesting. He says, Multnomah County, based on this IRS data from the Epoch Times article, and we'll link to this in the show notes, the net outflow was $1.1 billion, with a B, dollars. That's 14,000 taxpayers. Now, most of them are going to another county, but, but $290 million of them went to other states. And then he attached the IRS spreadsheet. So if you're a data person or a, a numbers person, go ahead and open up that baby that he attached. Um, and if you want to dig further into the primary data, uh, which is what Eric likes to do, he has a link for that. And then the states are linked towards the bottom. So I'm just going to, I'll also just attach his whole Twitter thread to the show notes because it's that good. And then any of you number crunchers out there can go ahead and just um, verify this. But what Eric came up with is really stunning to me. And what Eric says is Multnomah County is killing Oregon. And my comment was, well, right now, Portland is dying. If that capital gains tax passes, we're dead. And I truly, truly do believe that. So if because there is this exodus out of Multnomah County, I am super interested in talking to Sharon today about how we prevent this, how we keep people here, how we keep our tax base here. And a lot of people are going to say, good, they need to leave. It'll finally stop funding all these feckless nonprofits and this idiotic homeless tax may, you know, finally just kind of wither and die because it's just not going to come up with the amount of money that that it was coming up with because all the people making money are gone. Um, but here's the deal. 
Multnomah County, I mean, like it or not, Portland is the anchor of Oregon. It's the biggest city, big, it's the biggest city in Oregon by far. And it's where it's the hub of it all. As decrepit and disgusting as downtown is, if Portland does badly, the rest of the state does badly. Kevin Barton understands that, the DA in Washington County. Anytime he gives an interview, he says, things are bad in Portland and Multnomah County, and that needs to change immediately. And he's exactly right. Why? Because the problems in Portland bleed out to the rest of the state. Everybody knows this. Everybody looks at us and is seeing our decay bleeding down into them, and it's got to stop. So the way Multnomah County and Portland go, so goes the rest of the state. And frankly, it affects Vancouver because we're engaged constantly in interstate commerce with Vancouver, Washington. So there are people going back and forth over that bridge to work either in Portland or to live in Vancouver or vice versa. I mean, I don't know why you want to do that. You'd want to live in, <laughs> in Vancouver, work in Portland, but regardless, regardless, that it happens. I know people who've done it. I know people who've worked in many, actually, who've worked in Vancouver and just, you know, they're, they're bigger city people and they had to live in Portland no matter the shape of it. But we need, we do need more of those. And then I think it's just more about keeping the good people and getting us back on track and getting rid of all these idiotic programs. And I really appreciate people like Renee Gonzalez and Mingus Maps because when I went to testify about the body cameras, I sat through that city council meeting. It was absolutely incredible to me that they were the only ones asking really critical questions to these people asking for a ton of money. And the questions they were asking were good and they were smart. And you could tell that a lot of the people they were asking them of, they've never been questioned like that before. So the city is is actually starting to turn around thanks to Renee and Minkus. They need one more vote. Now, that's not going to happen, you know, really anytime soon because this charter thing is gonna, supposed to start rolling out in 2024 and I, I can't even I can't even think about what's going to happen with that, but what I will say is that I I do think with Renee and Mingus on city council, they are putting a fair amount of pressure together by by engaging in these difficult questions with people. They are putting a fair amount of pressure on the other commissioners and also on just you know people that are used to having their hands out and, and getting money from city council. Just You don't even have to go to one of these city council meetings, but I think it's more powerful if you do because you can actually see pe people in person and watch them showing up. You don't have to do that. You could just watch one on Zoom, but you'll see what I'm talking about. It's, you will learn so much, it's incredible. It's amazing. It's filled with nothing but people who want money, and they're all nonprofits. And some of them are like things like Prosper Portland, you know. And I will say, I did learn the one thing that I think Carmen Rubio has done absolutely well on is that she fixed a lot of Prosper Portland, and she was able to take some of the money that was going to some of the organizations that were the regular old organizations that weren't getting a lot of metrics and weren't getting a lot of results and she was able to divert that to things like friends of trees i'm being told that sharon is here so i am going to go get her and we will begin i know everybody's really excited to talk to her never think that sharon we are so glad that you're here so many questions for you and we went you and i went over some of those when we were off air so um what let's just get right down to it first of all the op-ed kudos absolutely incredible We've discussed it numerous times uh, with, with, I've discussed it numerous times personally with listeners, and then also just on the, discussing on the podcast all the really good points that you made. And I wanna say to you personally how I brave I know that was, because you're not the chair. 
you're not in control. You're criticizing this person that you have to work with that has all the control. And yeah, she can't fire you, but you know, you, you need her cause she's the chair and yet you were critical and you exposed a lot of what's going on in Multnomah County that all of us are so concerned about cause we see all this money flowing out. And like you said in your op-ed, where are the results? Yeah. Thank you. Thank so you thanks so for much. doing that. Thank you so much. I bet you got so much good feedback. I have to say, I got a lot of good feedback on that. It was, it was very validating. Um, and uh, I have to say, uh, because it was honestly um, scary to uh, contemplate putting it out in some ways. But by the same token, I just couldn't, you know, I, I couldn't stand it anymore, to be, to be honest. I don't know how you do it. I, I, I commend you for staying honest, Commissioner. Thank you. Because it must be very difficult. I, as long as I feel that there's something I can do, there's a role I can play, there's a voice I can raise, there's information I can share to help create action, um, I I will stay. And um, but it, it, and the thing with that piece was hearing from people and you know the impact it had on them just feeling like okay I'm not I'm not crazy it's not that I just don't get what the plan is there actually is no plan that kind of thing um, I think felt really scary and validating for people to hear and when you said I've been part of this county for six years yeah and I can personally attest to you yeah I thought that was really amazing so thank you so much for doing that and then we want to know how we can support you and get this op-ed in action so that you don't have to write another one (laughs) (laughs) and it's we don't as you and I discussed offline we don't need the nice thing is we don't need money we got the money we, we can do whatever we so want. So much money. We do not let. Can I? Can we just emphasize that point a little bit more? We do not need more money. We need to know where the money we do have is going. Um, that's one thing that is crucially important. And uh, and then we need to figure out how to to do the right things with that money. We need to understand what we need. We need to understand how much what we need will cost then we need to allocate the funds and then see if it works and then readjust if necessary. It's not rocket science. It's complicated, but it's not rocket science. I think the questions are, what are our next steps? And we talked about one thing that people can do is they can use the op-ed as a roadmap for emails and calls and testimony at the county for what they should request, like a database. It just doesn't seem like it should be that hard to do what you talked about in your last episode when you were running for chair and you said, look, we should have a database that says where all the money is going. And each citizen that is part of Multnomah County can access that, and any any citizen anywhere. You can access that at any time and see where your tax dollars are flowing, who they're flowing to, when they were allocated. And then that way people have some kind of accountability because right now they're flowing to all these nonprofits that are investigating themselves and, and, you know, or not. Um, And we don't even know the names of a lot of them. 
Absolutely. I mean, I, I'm quite certain I don't. Um, I mean, there's, How scary there's is that? between 100 and 200. I, I mean, I, I don't know how many there are. I've asked for... You don't I've, know how many. I mean, no. I think that's stunning. You're a sitting commissioner and you don't, you don't know how many nonprofits are getting your money. Correct. Yeah. I would, um, I have asked for the, um, for lists of those resources and the nonprofits getting the the funding um again for for years and it has not come back to me i get little snippets of it from different sources but i no one has put that together i mean again basic thing um i'm actually having my staff we're we're gonna try to reach out and see if we can figure out even in just my district but okay who are all of the the organizations receiving funding, where are they providing services? What are those services? And and try to create something akin to a database of that. Okay, so has a request, I, I, get, I know everybody's going to wonder, has a request been made to the current chair for this? A request has not been made to the current chair. And, and to her credit, a, a lot of what I described in my op-ed um, reflects back on prior leadership because that was, that was, um, well, that was who was allocating the money at that, that time. That was who was allocating the money at that time. And that was who was responsible for gatekeeping and accountability and all the things that, you know, that, that have since resulted in a lot of the dysfunction, you know, we're, we're recognizing how deep the dysfunction has gone under that leadership mm. for the new chair um you know it's it's been a few months and but to her credit a couple of things that have been um positive she hired the new joint office of homeless services director who i fully believe in um and i also appreciate she put together a, a data systems task force that she actually asked me to be part of. Oh, that's great. So uh, that's great. I see huge flaws every when I go to one of the meetings, but any of the meetings, but I see true dedication of people wanting to, to make it better. And that's something that I have not seen prior to now. Talk about the data systems task force. Mm-hmm. So does it align with... I mean, I guess the biggest question is, so far, does it align with what you want to do, as far as you know? Or are they at least open to... I think that's the key question. And at initially, what the new chair wanted to do was release what we call key performance indicators around homelessness and, you know, to, to be able to release to the public. So this task force was specifically to look at what do we think are key performance indicators and here's some ones that are suggested and what do we think of those and so it started off with a very small scope and I disagreed with many of the <laughs> the performance indicators because they were all sort of technical compliance related that didn't tell us anything and I've been pushing for why don't you tell people what they want to hear about? Have we decreased the number of people living outside unsheltered? Have we decreased the number of people actually dying on our streets? You know, those kinds of things. And um, I think I was able to 
and, and people were receptive. So that was great. But so many things came up that were symptomatic of issues with the, the bigger, this bigger system. And I think, mm. I think the chair, we're going to have a longer term mission of really changing those systems. Um, I don't see the right people at the table at this point, but I am hopeful yeah. that that it will be that it will go in the right direction. And you have the joint office now, which you didn't yeah. have before, an ally in the joint office, which you we think yes. you know, which is great because we didn't have that before. First time, probably oh ever, that we have this kind of an ally in the joint office. And it's amazing to me. I've heard amazing things about this guy. It's incredible to me that he wanted that job, and God bless him That's for it. <laughs> so we all said, we we all exactly. That was the first the first thing. Um, whenever you know, after he took the job, it's like congratulations. Oh my gosh! Please thank stay. you. Please stay. Thank you for accepting. <laughs> Why did you run? Why did you even put yourself out there? But thank you, and please stay. Um, I know him from working at Kaiser, and so I know him as really a systems thinker. He really is a leader. He's a thoughtful, very thoughtful person, intentional, big picture, and, um, you know, data-driven and relationship-driven. And so he puts all these pieces together. We He has a lot that he's coming into, so it's... I he can probably imagine has no it's idea. daunting. So good, good but, for him. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And he's from Kaiser, so he understands health. And as you yes. explained to us on your first episode, Multnomah County is is really <laughs> about health, should be about health, is tasked with health. And we know that this Behavioral Health Resource Center is, is really terrifying. Oh, the Health Resource Center, yeah. I know. And <laughs> so, I mean, one thing it seems like we can do as citizens, and, and correct me if this is wrong, but it seems like, we can ask for accountability in that regard and ask that, you know, I don't know, yeah. maybe, maybe we, it's not, again, we're not hurting for money. Why couldn't we just use the money to staff that thing internally so that people have some accountability up the chain to say the chair? There's, um, everything theoretically has accountability up the chain to the chair. Uh, and so uh, there theoretically should be that accountability built in. In the past, there have been so many um, so many barriers to actually information going out. That's that right. It's That's been, what's concerning. Yeah. Until it gets to a point which, you know, this has been building for way over a year. I mean, this has been building. What happened with the BHRC was predictable. Like yes, this is it was. something that... I have worked with some amazing constituents that live in the neighborhood that are so smart that came in from the get-go and said, we want to help. What can we do to make this successful, to mitigate any potential problems that we know will happen if we don't do anything? And they just essentially got the cold shoulder from the chair's office. And I would try to talk to the chair as well, and it was just the focus was about, you know, people – that we're going to be using the facility, which is great and important and essential, but to the exclusion of anything impacting anyone in the the people who are part of that community, and that's who are when, paying the money. Who are paying the money for the behavioral <laughs> health resource money. center? Yeah, I mean, so we discussed this earlier, but one of the things that I'm really concerned about is that. 
um, Twitter thread from Eric Happel that I sent you that where he's crunched this IRS mm-hmm. data and he says Multnomah County has lost $1.1 billion. So 14,000 taxpayers, which actually isn't a lot when you hear $1.1 billion with a B. Yes. You think, oh, it must be, you know, 100,000 taxpayers. Yes, yes. No, no, no. No, it's <laughs> 14,000, which is why it's ter- It's mm-hmm. keeping me quaking in my boots. Now, a lot of people listening might go, well, F them. I don't give a shit about them. Uh, eat the rich, whatever. Here's the thing. They're they're paying for everything here. So when we say, um, screw you, 14,000 taxpayers, yes. that is uh, money you're not going to have to fund anything that you want to do. Any of our services, exactly. And I'm speaking for myself as well, because as Sharon and I were sitting here kind of mapping out what we should talk about, we were, you know, laughing um, semi in a semi-sad way, but also in a semi right, also in a semi-happy way, the money is not our issue. Yep. We can actually do whatever we want. We are we we are probably one of the only counties in the United States where we don't need to I mean, stop asking for money for the county. If you're under some impression that the county needs more money, knock it off. They can live within their means and we would like them to live within their means and, and use the money. Use the money wisely. To to do to do what we can do with it and to keep these what we need to do is keep that one point one billion dollars here. Because yeah. the way it's flowing out is terrifying. Now most of it, Eric says, went to another county, but two hundred and ninety million and I'll link to this in the show notes, two hundred and ninety million went to other states. That's still hundreds, almost three hundred million dollars and that's yeah. in one year 2020 to 2021 that's an absurdly staggering yes. amount of money um and so we what we need to do is preserve Multnomah County and keep these people these people here these high uh tax paying people here because then we can do what we really want want to do with the money what we could do with the money what in fact we don't even need all that money yeah. to do um but they could be supporting the county through yeah. their businesses. They could be reviving downtown. They could be opening new businesses. People, people. I mean, we're here. Yeah. What? It's four thirty. People should be eating and drinking right now. They should be shopping. Over, yeah, yeah. We could have a positive spiral upward, and in t- instead of this spiral into the toilet, that you know, the the downward spiral of fleeing because we don't have the money and then we're seeing things get even worse and then we don't have we have less money and see it worse we need the opposite we need to use the money that we have which is a tremendous amount let us let us repeat that again the biggest ever we have the biggest even with all these people leaving we have the biggest budget we've ever had money lots of money and so, it's, I mean, not unlimited money, but lots like $4 of money. Yeah, it is. It's three point. It, it is three point what? Three point five almost. Yeah, 4. three point four. And for homelessness alone, billion with a B. Dollars. Joint Office of Homeless Services alone is two hundred fifty-five million. Um, and that's not including homeless services funding from right. like behavioral health and our account other sources. We have. We have a lot of money that hasn't become clear. Um, so oh. we need to spiral upward and use that money to keep people here, which will bring in even more money. Built for zero. You talked about that on your last episode. We are being told that we're doing built for zero. Are mm-hmm. we doing built for zero? And if not, how do we do it? I, um, so built for zero is near and dear to my heart, as you did here on the last episode. And uh 
there are some very clear things that need to be done in order for Built for Zero to work and be effective. And one of those is a by nameless. We need to understand how many people are living unsheltered in our county, what they need, what their barriers are, and then that's the number we use to build towards zero. Do we have this? No, we do not. We are told what we have now, which we have not for the over two years since I worked with um, Commissioner Dan Ryan to actually get Built for Zero even adopted. First, no one wanted to adopt it. Then it's reluctant adoption. Then it was, okay, let's just stall and pause and maybe people won't realize we're not doing it. And then it's like, okay, we're doing it, but not really. Now we're finally at the point, years later, of okay, we're really going to maybe try to do Built for Zero effectively. And so we're going to start now. And then just to remind everybody, in case they forgot or they haven't heard that episode, Built for Zero is this set of concrete plans, right, for zero homelessness. It's It's a methodology. It's a national sort of continuous improvement model, I guess you would say, but a national organization that's been implementing jurisdictions across the country where you say, okay, we need to understand how many people are living outside, what they need, so that we could build what they need so that they can then move there and we can get the number of people living outside towards zero. So build for zero, built for zero. And the crucial part is understanding who's living outside and what they need so we can build it. Right now we don't have any of that information. Um, We're starting to realize how important it is, um, we the county, and, and so we're starting on that approach. But we by no means have a by name list. We by no means are anywhere toward understanding how many people are actually living outside. So if we want to make even just tiny movements, maybe one Mm -hmm. thing we could do as citizens is send emails and show up for county testimony. And like I said at the beginning of the show, Portland Party can help with that. And I'm going to link to their website where they talk about how you can testify at the county because they, it sounds daunting. They will walk you through it. They will tell you what time I've, we have all those links. So I'm going to put it in the show notes and that way all you have to do is click on that and it'll outline for you what you need to do to testify at the county and you can do it. You can even submit testimony via a letter. Mm -hmm. Um, You can do Zoom is my understanding. You can, you can show up in person. I think it's most effective if you do. To speak to exactly, um, I can't tell you how effective it is to have people testify. You know, first of all, we're, it's very different from the city. I think people have a vision of what it's like to testify and what that means based on the city's practices. At the county, we have board meetings every Thursday morning at 9.30 a.m. The first thing we do is have public testimony, and anyone can speak about anything they want to for three minutes. I encourage people sometimes to come together, pool their time. You have, like, three groups of three minutes. That's nine minutes. That's a great opportunity for a little presentation. And you have a captive board they're all, we're all hearing the sim- same information at the same time. It's extremely effective. You can also testify virtually, and you can write um, as well. In person is most effective, but do what you can. And so one thing that we could ask for is, for instance, this 
uh, data collection of the count, right? An actual by count, yeah. um, and a, and a by what's called a by name list, and and we're saying that we're doing it, and we're not. And so, what we need to do is just that would be a simple step that we could ask for is just say we'd like a by name list, and that will tell us that will help us reach our one of our first milestones to get to start working towards. Built for zero. Building for zero. In the way that it's laid out for us to do. Yep, exactly. And then um, you went to Kansas recently. I did. I traveled to Kansas. And you, it's incredible. Like, apparently Johnson County, Kansas is is lapping us in regard to. <laughs> and they, they, have, yes. they probably have, like, a hundredth of our budget and yet they seem to be figuring out homelessness so what did you learn when you were there well it was amazing I'm part of a it's a national network a leadership team called familiar faces initiative and it looks familiar faces are people who cycle through ERs who cycle through jails who cycle through homelessness through that revolving door that no, we can't seem to get a handle on and costs so much money and causes so much harm to our community and to the individuals who are experiencing it themselves. And what this group looks at innovative practices across the country. Usually we, you know, we join by Zoom, but we do little field trips. We go on site visits. So we went to Kansas. And Johnson County has this integrated data system that... It was actually based on a medical model where they 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 realized every, people need to be able to share information to work collaboratively and in a coordinated way to benefit their mutual clients. So they realized in the beginning they did an analysis when they thought we should do something and they found out that like one client in their system had 16 different case managers none of whom knew each other existed, like in all different areas. <laughs> Which and sounds like Multnomah County. That sounds like Multnomah County, <laughs> except we're probably worse because we're bigger. But, but yeah. what's amazing is they tackled it. So no problems yep. too big. You can actually it's bril- tackle this. It's brilliant. I'm encouraging us to adopt that type of approach in Multnomah County and with our partners, like what injustice systems and healthcare and homelessness. So things are... Our data systems are integrated, so we are sharing information appropriately and effectively, and not just so redundant that one person has, you know, 16 case managers trying to build the same thing and failing. And then how do we get this implemented? Is the Are the rest of the commissioners and the chair aware of this great system? Um, have they... I mean, have they seen a report about what they're doing over there? I am. I am. I just got back and I'm preparing a report. I've already mentioned it to my fellow commissioners and to the chair and to that data, this data systems task force. I'm encouraging um, a few of the key leaders to visit because you kind of have to see it to believe it. And that this is absolutely what, I mean, we should have been doing it a decade ago, but still we can do the right thing not too late to do the right thing so you're saying a lot of this is common sense stuff that Uh, we should be able to to implement without a huge issue and so my guess is 
they're aligned with Built for Zero. They and are. it's about how to untangle these dysfunctional systems that you've been wrapped up in. They've done it. Yep. We have, so, I mean, we you keep hearing the word silos and, you know, fragmentation. We have an unbelievably, like, unimaginably siloed system. Like, even our individual departments are siloed within themselves. And so we don't know the health department doesn't know what the housing department is doing when both of them are serving the same people and um, these people have similar needs. So we're just, it's not a wise way to invest resources. It's redundant, it's wasteful, and it's not effective. So yeah, it's super important. I think that's great. And I love that you went, I mean, you went out to, that's not certainly not a glamorous trip and it shows your (laughs) dedication to this issue for sure. It's not like you need more things to do because we all know you're also an ER doctor and you're literally watching these people revolve around the store of the hospital. Yes. And you do street medicine. Yeah. So you're watching, you're also watching people revolving from like say the state hospital back onto the streets yeah. and jail back onto the street and so this is just unsustainable um so next question uh let's see we you have a crown plaza idea i do have a crown plaza idea yeah which i i kind <laughs> of love because there apparently the crown plaza near the convention center is is willing to um the owner's willing to sell it to you the owner is willing to sell it to the county or you know a group of public agencies and um and it has the potential few things have the potential to be game changing um this is one that actually could could change what we see on our streets and um the pre- it's located right, if it's near the convention center, it's adjacent to the Unity Center for Behavioral Health and Hooper Detox, um, where people go detox from whatever substances they're using, come out, stabilize, like from Unity, and then there's nowhere for people to go. Right, they just go back out on the street, right? Yeah, that revolving door. And and it not only wastes the money what is the point invested of in treatment, exactly, the person's worse off because, I mean, the yeah. despair that builds and thinking, okay, this time I got it, I got it together, and then, oh, no, and I'm going right back out onto the street. And and as a doctor, isn't that how overdoses happen? Because then you've detoxed. You do not have the same tolerance that you used to have. It's a great You point. go out and you think, oh, my God, I've been sober for this long. I can achieve that first amazing high I got before. Yeah. You forget how little will probably get you there. Yeah. And now it's fentanyl. It's not an oxycontin. You are so exactly, exactly right. You're exactly right. It's fentanyl, and that first dose, a tiny amount, can is lethal. So, yeah, we need those supportive services after de- yeah. detox. Is just detox. It's not rehab. No, it's, it's not. It's not long term residential treatment. It's it's none of those things. I'm detox. sorry. If you're on yeah. fentanyl, don't you need that? You you five days of detox isn't going to cure your fentanyl problem. Oh no 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 <laughs> no no. It may start to get the substance out of your system for this occasion, but that, I mean, that's literally like barely a first step. 
So And you're miserable. Yes. Oh, and you're miserable. You are miserable. You are in the worst state of your life <sighs> because your body has just detoxed from freaking fentanyl and now you're being <laughs> dropped off on the street and you're expected to just stay with off your of friends it. who are still using fentanyl and where it's awful and um, traumatic and fentanyl's as easy or easier to get than water, you know? So the Crown Plaza, what it can be, it has a tower that how it has 241 rooms, nice rooms, furnished, move-in ready, up to code. It has that those could be supportive housing, long-term supportive housing for people, um, bridge housing when they come out of Unity or the State Hospital or Hooper. It has two commercial kitchens that can be used as job training, which is one of the most important elements to get people back on track, that they can learn a skill that's not just like picking up garbage, nothing against picking up garbage, but they can learn, you know, a skill in hospitality. Yeah, that's not a skill. And um, they, there's a couple of ballrooms where you could have dedicated, you know, resources or services or a really nice behavioral health related shelter. Um, and it has all of this community space that could be resilience hubs. Everyone talks about this where, you know, in an event of extreme weather, instead of like running around trying to figure out where people can go, we can open it as a shelter. And then last but not least, there's three, it's on three city blocks of land that's flat, that's ready, has one safe rest village already, but it's a parking lot. Like it does, you don't need to do stuff to make it, ready to be used for some other purpose. So this is sitting there ready for moving. Um, you know, price tag around $50 million, and we should jump on it. It's a bargain. It could be a campus where you could do workforce training for people going into behavioral health or homeless services because we don't have a workforce enough where people can do great graduated sort of levels of treatment and rehab and recovery and then be there long enough to stabilize and then hopefully at that point we'll really have housing for them when they're done at that center. So one thing that we can do then is we can say we can go to the county and testify and put some pressure on the other commissioners and say, hey, we're aware of the Crown Plaza and that it could be sold to the county. The county yeah. is about health. It's about, um, <laughs> it, it's there to solve this horrific crisis of addiction that is yeah. destroying our citizens. And we are asking that you please buy the Crown Plaza and that we use it for things like detox, rehab, sober living. And you were even saying, we had a conversation before the mics were turned on about how this is big enough. First of all, we need more rehab beds and more detox beds, and we know that. But also, this, and we have the money. We don't need the freaking 110 <laughs> money. Like, everybody's going to say, 110 doesn't have money for that. Okay, fine. Like, and the Housing has money. There's so many sources we of funding right now, and we have it. I mean, there's that. And it's not the full 50 million. What I would envision is a partnership where we have city, county, state, federal, coordinated care organizations or Medicaid organizations and, um, and health systems all contributing to the collective benefit of all. We all desperately need this service at a, at a scale that will make a difference. And if we, you know... That makes it, it's it's virtually nothing. We sprinkle this amount of money around like it's fairy dust and achieve nothing. This could be 
huge. I, well, I think your idea so, is huge, and I think it could be huge. We just need to um, let the other commissioners know that we know about it and that we yeah. want it. And wouldn't it be amazing, I mean, as an ER doctor and doing addiction medicine type work, you must know that, Oh my I mean, gosh. I just know from like watching my sister go on and off, I mean, she's, I'm assuming uh-huh. she's back on, but go on and off opiates. If you are ready to, first of all, if you're ready to go detox, you got to go now. Yeah. Yep. We can't wait an hour. We got to yeah. get you in right now. We need a bed open. We need to be ready to go. So more beds. Great. Even one more, even two more, but this is even more than that. Second, like Sharon just explained, we can't just detox them and then dump them on the streets. Then they got to go to rehab. If you listen to Tom Wolf's episode, he explains he was in rehab for like 90 days, 120 days. Yeah. I mean, some absurd amount. He had to get off of fentanyl for Pete's sake. You guys, it's not, this is not um, a 30 day stay in, in County and then you're good. And then you get discharged back on the street and you're you, suddenly you're a productive citizen. Yeah. This requires, it does require money, but you'll actually see results from this money. All of you that I yes. talked to say you're thrilled to write the check. This is yep. what's so interesting about this county. It's so mm-hmm. freaking generous. These people say, I'm thrilled to write this check. I just really actually want to see people yeah. off the street. Yeah, exactly. I, exactly. They, they're happy the, to do it. Yeah. So let's use the money that we have that you're so generously, generously giving us and and put it towards it's this a detox win-win. and rehab. It's a win-win-win. It's a win for everyone um, in so many in so many ways. It's a win for the people who get the services. It's a win for the workforce who gets you know is providing care in a place that actually will make a difference. Um, and it's a win for all of our neighbors and community members who now there's actually a place for people to go who may be experiencing these kinds of situations. And so this this isn't now. I know okay. people are going to get concerned mm-hmm. here, and they're going to wonder. Okay, we're going to go to the county, and we're going to advocate for the Crown Plaza. Are you going to staff it with like seventeen fly by night nonprofits? Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so no. The thing is, this would have to be done absolutely intentionally um, with. It's medical, it, right? It's well, it's it's medical. I mean, it's it's. All kinds of things, right. but they're they're. But these are specialists. Known this isn't quantity. Like there's services that we know that we need, and we have to provide the level of care that's needed to be successful. Level of care, yeah. right? So this isn't grants to you know um, some not affinity nonprofit that's going to build um, hanging gardens in the lobby, or I mean, this <laughs> is like down to brass tacks. This is true, and I, I uh, there are some organizations that are fantastic, like they are so good at what they do, and so we need to have if we do organizations. We'll need specialized organizations to do the work. Who do you like? But because they, I get that question yeah. too. Like, is there yeah. anybody? Good I will. There. I will tell you. Let me just finish it. Oh, but, sorry. Yeah. But the key is holding those organizations to account. Is to make sh- they hopefully will do a great job. But we should trust but verify. You know, we need to be the ones responsible for ensuring that they are doing that, rather than and that we have county supervision or county presence at all times, and that they're meeting the terms of their contracts, etc. In order to ensure that safety and and everything is working. The organizations that I really trust are um, 
it, this is not an exclusive list, but no, I, you of course know, not. no one feel bad if you're not on the list. But first and foremost is Central City Concern. Um, they Their current director is uh, Andy Mendenhall is brilliant and a true visionary, a thought leader, and a realist who like gets implementation and he I would just try I would trust frankly I would trust him with running the county um wow but uh that's saying a lot it yeah but he he is really great so um central city concern um I I mental health America is is really great with peer services Again, I think the county is responsible for oversight and accountability, but they they do really phenomenal work um, in training and uh, working with peers uh, who have lived experience. Um, trying to think of Urban League is is really excellent at the work that they do, and I'm you know I'm fond of Portland Street Medicine because that's just that's the what best. you do. Yeah, they're the best. <laughs> So I think this is great. And then the other thing that everybody needs to understand is once you get through rehab, isn't the standard of care sober living? I mean, then you, you go should, to sober living, right? You should so have a plate. Yeah. You learn yeah. how to live as a sober right. person. You're no longer in rehab, but you're, you usually have a job. If you, you don't can, have a job, you have chores. Yeah. I mean, you responsibilities of some sort. And it's a matter of ensuring that like some of the people who would be going into this have been using substances for so long and living on the streets for so long. Like yeah. you don't know how, and you've been decades degraded. You've been traumatized. Yeah. You, I mean, it, it unspeakable stuff for so long. And so, and, and being treated often as less than human. So you need to go learn how to be a human, you know, how to feel safe and like, oh, how do I set, what is an alarm clock? What is a, you know, just things we take for granted, like having a conversation with someone, um, are, are skills to be learned. And so we need to support people in just getting skills so they can get that job and keep that job and, um, and keep that apartment when they get it and keep it up and, Instead of just throwing people to the wolves, which is kind of what we do now, which is like, okay, you're totally not ready. We totally haven't prepared you. The only thing we're measured for is number of people placed in housing. So we'll place you somewhere. We don't even measure if you stay there or not. It's just as long as you get somewhere. And then meanwhile, you disappear. You burn the place down. Like whatever happens it's not necessarily the person's fault. That is our system's fault for failing to provide what's needed, that we know is needed. It goes back to the BHRC and that mitigate. Like we, the so many people. The Resource Center, yeah. Yeah, where, where all the problems arose. We knew what would happen. This great group of constituent people living in the neighborhood told told the county, told the chair's office who was responsible for all of this, um, told her what would happen, and they were dismissed. I was dismissed when I would try to elevate their voice and just rushed to open the place, and, huh, surprise, all of the things they predicted happened. And um, going back to Crown Plaza, it would be the opposite approach. <laughs> it would be the opposite approach of 
in terms of intentionality and accountability and having the right people doing the right work. So Kevin Dahlgren says for accountability, we need uh, what would be great is if the employee had like or, or excuse me, if the county had like their own employees so that, of course, if you hire a bunch of nonprofits, yes, they're all accountable to the chair, but they ha- they're their own internal org how they are going to have their own operating systems depending on your contract with them they may have a fair amount of freedom to do what they want to do how do we make sure that whoever we're partnering with has that accountability no that's that's such a great point and um kevin always makes great points (laughs) just a little shout out to kevin yeah i like but um but it is a matter of like our contracts have not required it. We don't even know. Again, this oh. is you, so you don't, don't even know what's in the contract. We don't even know what's in the contracts. Okay. There's no central accountability well, for contracts. I pushed. We're okay. actually doing things. Hopefully, starting to change. But um, well, that's terrifying. Yeah, it is. It, so but, oh, I want to hear about the budget because I've I I think I told you I tried to go through the budget. <laughs> it's great for insomnia. I, I did end uh, up falling asleep. Uh, it does work. <laughs> I can't guarantee, like a, any good lawyer, I cannot guarantee yeah. it, but I will say it worked for, anecdotally, it did work for me. And it was, I, re, I remember thinking to myself, uh, you know, I sometimes I just do with that kind of stuff better with paper because it forces yes. me to do something physical and just keep, you know, stay awake and stay focused. And I thought, I, I can't print, I'll bankrupt myself on toner if I print this. <laughs> Oh but my you gosh. told me it's bad. I told you. I wish I had brought it. I mean, I could. I, I, I wish would have needed a, a wheelbarrow, basically. But um, I wish I brought it because it's. I mean, it's. It's like a foot. Honestly, it's. I mean, let's say. So it's no like one could ever go thick. No one person. It is will not, ever read this ever. That's is, not possible. It's not reasonable. Um, it's not reasonable. And the way, so the way it's divided up, it's by department and each department just has a whole bunch of what we call program offers. So for any, like for one that I recall from the joint office of homeless services is to have, um, uh, culturally specific outreach providers, for example. And it's like, Oh, $1.7 million for culturally specific outreach providers. And then there's some generic description of what that would be. Right, because then you go, well, what is that? Does that and mean then it, a Native American drug counselor? Which, okay, that sounds reasonable, but is that really what we're talking about? And no idea based on the program offer. And then they have what they call, I'm doing air quotes, yeah. outcomes measures. And so, which are, you're, so you're saying they're they're not there aren't outcomes. they aren't they aren't. It's like when you go to the grocery store and there's um, Vienna sausages and the packaging says fancy in quotes. It's right, yeah. <laughs> that's what these outcome measures or they are. Did, they're yeah. fancy, and they don't list the ingredients. You do not right. want to buy the fancy Vienna <laughs> sausage without knowing the ingredients. Exactly, exactly. Um, so there's nothing. There's there's none of the information on the package. And it's not put together like, oh, what's the recipe that you could use these in to make a meal so I can budget for my meals? So you're saying it's just all these disjointed programs. And then, of course, the big picture question is, how, like you said, how do we put this all together to get these people off the streets? And it doesn't. It doesn't. I'm going to be I mean, I won't vote for a budget that won't do that. How do we how do you get it in shape? I'm I am. 
working on that right now. It's I, in the past, what I've done, it's almost been like sitting in a room, you know, in a basement room with like little pins and yarn to connect things and trying to make my own lists and connect them. And it's Sharon's beautiful mind room. I know. (laughs) My mind palace. (laughs) Um, All the, I'm just imagining like in beautiful mind, all the equations (laughs) on the blackboard and. Yeah, I know. Maybe too much information here, but um, <laughs> but uh, it it needs to connect, and so I will be asking our department heads to connect the dots for me. It's vital you know, because it's vital, and the idea of expecting just people to you know regular people to read through that and even understand where to weigh in is is daunting. But on that note, just to encourage everyone for, you don't have to be, you shouldn't have to be a budget expert or a policy Mm -hmm. expert to advocate and to say what you want to see the county funding and where your taxpayer dollars should go. And so I would encourage you again, um, the county has a website, there's the usual ways that will be, that Kristen will put on your, on your, um, yeah, I'll put all this in the, sh- in the show notes so that you can. So the link is Get Involved Portland Party. And ac- actually, if you click on that, it tells you how to testify everywhere. And it includes yeah. all the links to sign up, to find out when they're meeting, to find out the address, to find out how to get there. And if you're nervous and you want to do this, reach out to me and I'll get you connected mm-hmm. with the right people. And we'll, I mean, heck, if I can, I'll show up with you and we'll just do it together because mm-hmm. this it's really important. It's so worth it. And it it's cool to do it. It's really, I mean, I did it for years before running for office and I would just go and like, they, I, they need to hear my voice and I have something to say. And so everyone has something to say, go say it. There's something about being a constituent and looking your officials in the eyes and telling them what you need. Mm -hmm. And you can do that. It sounds, I mean, people forget, Mm -hmm. I mean, this isn't just... You know, you you stream it and you just go, oh, my God, you know, it's all the usual suspects and they want money. And that's not all this is for. I mean, this is also for holding your elected officials accountable. And you may not have a conversation with them and you may not hear what you want to hear. In fact, you probably won't. But the good news is they will hear you in a way that an email or a letter doesn't necessarily resonate. And they have to look you. I mean, they don't have to, but they will respectfully actually look you in the eye and listen to what you have to say. Which is a big deal. Nobody's going to slap their laptop down. or I mean, it's a very, it's a respectful commission. Yeah. I've never seen, I've always only ever heard, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. We appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, uh, everybody listens. Some people take notes. Yeah. It's, it's and, and people reach out. I mean, I often reach out to people who have testified because it's not a time for like, like it's not a time for the board to, you know, to have a conversation but once you're there and we have your information and hear what's important to you I I know I reach out to people who've come and testified and I I hope my other my colleagues do as well and then like let's say with um let's say with built for zero we want to move the needle on that yeah we're gonna testify what else can we do we can write op-eds right you wrote an op-ed Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And I actually was really, um, I was really thrilled to see um, there was a letter to the editor last, uh, 
just on Sunday, yesterday, that was supporting my op-ed. So you can actually oh, so even write, you, you can know, write letters in support. Letters and in sometimes support. they'll publish it. And um, you can letters letters to the editor and op-eds make a huge difference and it doesn't have to be just the Oregonian. I mean, you, it can be so many of our, our local publications, you know, they're desperate for things to publish. And so, uh, you know, just speak your mind and and write it down and then it'll it'll get to people and and it it's really it's really gratifying we had uh julia brim edwards on the show and she seemed to <laughs> voice support for everything that we're talking about here yes which i think is really promising yes um do you have now we don't have a crystal ball we have no idea what's going to happen but if Julia Brim Edwards is elected to the Multnomah County Commission, Ugh. do you feel like you'll have some support for some of these huge issues that we're talking about here? Yes. We, I mean, we need so much support. Yes. I, so I, I mean, I endorsed Julia Brim Edwards as soon as I learned she was running. Um, I believe she would be a tremendous ally on the, the board you know, who so far I think we agree on most things, but even if we don't, like she's someone I respect. She is someone who will speak her mind, who will question, um, and that's that's what we so desperately need. So she will be an ally. I encourage people to learn about her. I don't know if I'm allowed to say like give her money if you can give her money because there's campaign contribution limits. It's hard, even if it's five dollars. Um, you know just reach out to her put a sign in your yard if just do those things because it makes such a difference and this is a critical race it really people can, forget that it's, it's yeah. scary it's really scary yeah. this can change the dynamic between julia and then having the new joint office of homeless services director who is not um coming from within but actually coming from outside the organization and the usual um participators in the system yeah uh, we'll have a fresh pair of eyes fresh pair of eyes um that we can start to make these changes reality and you know this voice has already made a difference having that critical mass uh, invaluable well i think um chair vega peterson's so far her mm. her seemingly willingness to work with you on a lot of these things is a yes. huge sea change yes i will That's absolutely i have to put that out there as well yes she is um she with this data systems task force uh from the get-go and putting you it on was, it she just it from the beginning is like invited. It's not like I had to ask. It was, I want you to be on this and be a partner with me on this. And I deeply appreciate that and some behavioral health work as well. So yeah, that's great. It's yeah. So what else can we do to support you and to keep Multnomah County on the rails as much as possible? We might be it, already off of it, but how do we get it back on track? I mean, we've got some good ideas here. 
we have a billion yes. good ideas and way yes. too many for you know one person to do but if you just pick yes. one of those things just pick one of them and do and That's all we're asking is te- it's very simple it's just testimony yep <laughs> it's just testimony um it's pulling it's finding this you know in these giant knots that we have like it's the knots themselves are so big and so tangled and you're like it's so huge I can never untangle it but if you just find the string and you start following it and you just unravel it with the string you're following like find that thing like you said that it's built for zero or write and say I support the ideas you know that were in the op-ed or whatever that thing is yeah whatever moves you whatever you're most yep. interested in or sometimes people come and they just share their personal story and they use that to explain why they're interested yes. in your ideas about built for zero or yes. your ideas about maybe this crown plaza maybe somebody out there is in recovery from addiction suffering from addiction and hears that and thinks that would be a great program for me that yes. kind of testimony would be incredibly powerful. Yes. I think people the most underestimate powerful. it. The most powerful. That's the most powerful. You're exactly right. And then um, what else What else should we talk about? I mean, the op-ed was huge. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to... There's what about press conferences? Do you do... Do you still... I, you were doing those a lot. Are yes. you still doing those? Um, that's actually... I'm... I am, there are a couple of forums that I will be holding, um, actually around the op-ed, there was a, oh, great. I'll be doing a, I actually recorded last week, I don't know when it'll air, but it's on um, Pat Doris's, it's oh, for KGW. He, yeah, they're so awesome. They're awesome. So I talked to Is that to AM Northwest? I'm trying to think, but yeah, KGW. Yeah. And they're, that was fabulous. Um Oh, and you were on the panel. You were on the, the, oh, the panel with t- uh, Terry Anderson. Yes, yes. Um, oh about my her gosh. son. She's been on the show. And oh, my her, gosh. She had Joshua's urn there. Yeah, that was. The Jeff Gianola That panel. was beyond. That was amazing. Yeah, that was on coin. She um, specifically said that she was really, really touched by the way you interacted with her. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people didn't talk to her at all. Seriously? Yeah. But you interacted with her and she felt supported. <sighs> she loved you. She loved Ter- Terrence Moses was there. In fact, I felt like they were pilfering from the show. But because they listed <laughs> it as the top podcast to listen to in 2023, I'm going to give them a pass. Um, and my guess is they came they came up with that because they were listening and thinking, we should really put together a panel with all these people. Yes. I mean, they had Terrence Moses. They had Terry. They had Renee. They had Aaron yes. Schmatz. They had yes. Sharon. Yeah, yeah they had That's all our peeps, funny. all our guests. Um, and they just lined them up. It was brilliant. It, it was, was great. It was. Yeah. I mean... They, I mean, they had some usual suspects too, yeah. but I just thought it was really. I mean, they had a drug policy guy, I think, like a one ten guy, but um, I a lobbyist or something. But I, I think it's really incredible that they had all these. Um, that you know, they have this mother whose son dies of a of oh. d- drug overdose, um, like near the Burnside Bridge outside of the Salvation Army where he's been receiving this care. And I, I love the Salvation Army. Um, and it's not, you know, they can't save everybody. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. Joshua passed away. But, you know, Terry would say, 
Joshua died because the systems aren't in place to yep. take care of people with severe mental illness. He had schizophrenia. Yep. Um, he was violent, yep. incredibly violent, in and out of the criminal system. Um, it was it's so heartbreaking. And she's his mommy. And so she's of course she's invested in this. And I thought it was great that they had the personal touch. It wasn't mm-hmm. just a bunch of policymakers. Huge. It was huge. And you're tearing up. Because it was that powerful, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. I felt like that when she came in here because I'm going to hand you Kleenex. I felt like that when she came in here because she she, um, she doesn't talk about it in a clinical way. No. And you could. You could, sh- if you're the Joshua's mom, you could shut down and just um, do your advocacy in a very clinical way. And she doesn't. She's very emotional about it. And she's very personal. Like, the things that she shares... Some of it's like, wow, I, I don't know that I would be. She's very vulnerable. Yes. Yeah. And that it makes such a difference. Um, it is truly powerful. And and so just sharing, sharing of your own experience and your own story and, you know, often your own suffering, it can make a difference for so many, so many people. Um, yeah, I, I think her story is powerful, too, because that's her baby. But also Joshua could have been if we had been born with schizophrenia, God any forbid, yeah. near Portland. I yeah. mean, that could have been any of us. It, that's the thing, too. It can. That's right. So. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, I there we have my friends and I talk about this. We have law colleagues that have descended into some form of I don't know that it's schizophrenia but a very severe form multiple severe forms of mental illness and we will see these people on the streets I mean and that's when you go well I could I could suffer from a mental breakdown at any time and if I don't have those community supports or even if I do there's no system supports and that's why Multnomah County is so dang important we have the money for the system supports (laughs) Have we mentioned that we have the money? Sharon's here <laughs> with the ideas. Like, we can implement this. We can do it. It's do- it is doable. Kansas and I, is doing it's, it. I mean, Kansas no, is, you know. <laughs> with all due respect. Somewhere over the rainbow, they're doing it. Um, but the, I think that's the the positives it's so easy to become i mean it's pretty it, it can be bleak it can seem bleak um, well i gotta tell you i was feeling for some of this i was feeling pretty depressed because yes. i was kind of feeling like okay she didn't win chair we can't what can we really do here yeah. how much Thanks. how much power do we really have and you should have been chair and you don't have to comment you don't have to say anything you should have been chair but you know what i i'm feeling hopeful because um, this chair is at least interested in uh, hearing your ideas. In mm-hmm. in she's using the words "built for zero. She. I is. mean, I never thought I would hear that. Yes. No. It's interesting. That's kind of a big deal. Yeah. I mean, I do think things are shifting. There's definitely a shift. I mean, there 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 definitely is, and so you know, we'll stay tuned. And I'm I am hopeful and. I'm, I'm and you're hopeful. doing work with the city, like you're doing work yeah. with uh, city councilors, Renee Gonzalez. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, it is it is so important. I mean, I don't want to go down the you because know, they write you a bl- blank check, like you explained to us. Ugh. So yes. so, <laughs> I mean, you're you're actually yes. reaching out and saying, hey, why don't you guys kind of be involved in some of these ideas instead of just handing us a check to do what we will with it? Yeah, I mean, that's what I'd like to see 
way more of and that, you know. And they could hold us accountable. They could hold the county accountable, which would also help. It would Instead help. of pointing fingers, just say, hey, we gave you money for X. Yeah. We expected this in 30 days. Instead of just pointing at the county, oh, the county screwed it up. How about just we were expecting, you know, they could they could do their own thing with this. They could say we wrote the county a check for this much money and we asked yeah. for X, Y, and Z within 16 to 90 days. And it's just not, I mean, couldn't they do, I mean, I, well, I don't that's, know. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's what I think they should have done from the very beginning and, um you know, and I think perhaps whatever it was, failure of leader, whatever that was at the city that did not allow that to happen um, was, it can hopefully shift. And the thing is, right now, there's an agreement, you know, the we talked about that before, but there's an agreement between the city and county about a joint office of homeless services that right now, is actually a county department that, like you said, the city gives a bunch of money to but doesn't have any real authority or say. We need to change that, and to make it official, we need to change that agreement. I was hopeful, that's one of the things I was hopeful that, you know, we'd kind of start the year off running with that agreement ready to be changed and having the conversations between city and county and East County jurisdictions as well. Um, that has not happened. I think they're going to postpone it yet another year. And we just, you know, that is the one thing that is hard for me to stomach is the, like, oh, we're not ready yet. Let's postpone this for another year. It's like, well, you know, we should be ready. And that's hard, but um, we need that to change. We need it formalized. We need shared ownership and shared just shared goals and true collaboration. Even when we don't agree, you know, we can still collaborate. Yeah, there there are, I, fi- I just find it, I find it exceedingly hard to believe that there's literally no common ground between the city and the county. I know there is. I know there is. There, it, there absolutely is. <laughs> it and might not be over everything, but there are a number of things that I'm sure that we, like you said, we finally got Dan Ryan on board with Bill for Zero, all we need is to push that forward via the county and start moving on that. Dan, yeah, Dan Ryan was. With and now, Bill of course, for he's not in charge the, of that. Yeah, but. but Dan Ryan was in from the beginning. Like he oh, was great. actually yes, but it was getting Mark Joel, like getting the oh, joint getting office, the joint and, office and the chair's office and all of those, um, which we didn't have, but now we think we have. But now we, yeah. So that piece is is together. It's that was together. A we just darn have to piece. invest it, you know, but. We also need to not just say the words. Right. We need to invest <laughs> in the actions that will get us. We can't just us. type it on a website. You know, th- well, we apparently we can. <laughs> and we do. Apparently, apparently we can. We, we do. do. But um, but no. But, but it's got to be a real. It's got to be a real thing. And so we can we can write letters. We can go to the county and we can testify in person if if possible. If not, go ahead and write in as much as you or can. Hybrid. And then how do we get? And if people have questions for you or they want to know how they can support you too, or maybe yeah. they have a specific question that I wouldn't even think of, how do they get in touch with your office? Yes, thank you. Um, District one, the number one at multco m u l t c o dot us. Okay, and I'll, I'm going to link to that in our show notes, too, so you can just press a button and 
Sharon Myron is at the tip of your fingertips. And I get my communications and I would respond to communications to me. So um, wow. please feel free to, to reach out. Um, okay. What else do you, any, anything else you want to talk about before we wrap up here? I, or anything gosh, else you need from us? Kind of a gamut. No, we did. We covered so is, much. This is amazing. Just thank you for being such, so such a voice of reason and hope and, you know, telling it like it is. It's... Now you're going to make me tear up. You know, it just... It makes it makes so much difference, and I'm just so grateful for you and to be on your show and um, and for your audience. And you're welcome you. anytime. You have um, a lot of... You know, you got some skeptics, but... You've got a lot of supporters. <laughs> you got a lot of supporters in this audience. So um, they're going to, they've been begging for you to come back on. And um, I'm so glad that you did. Obviously, you're really, you're busy um, juggling all these billions. And and we can, we can help you with that. And so, and we need to help the county with that. And so that is kind of the message of, I, I feel yes. like that's the takeaway. Yes. And I will, yes. And I will reach out, let you know if there are certain specific things like this now help. Yeah. <laughs> um, and as we enter the budget season, which we're doing, this is a crucial time. So perfect. Well, perfect thank you, time. Sharon. I appreciate you. You're our, you're our beacon of light on the Multnomah County Commission, and I'm really looking forward to um, seeing what, if anything, uh, we can get done here. And I think we, I don't, I don't see why we can't accomplish a couple of these bullet points. I, I think by the, let's see how it goes, but I'm hoping yeah. that by the end of the of the year, you know, um, maybe we'll have moved the needle on something because isn't this yeah. Crown Plaza thing? That's that's got like a does it have a deadline to that it? That has a thing. I mean that the at some point that's going to expire, yeah, right? September. We oh need boy, to do some actually do something by September first. I mean, this is a short deadline, so yeah. But we need. To, I mean, I think the the beauty is if we act on that, we need to just again. It's showing action. It's showing that we seize opportunities rather than just like debate them or meetings them to death we it it shows that we understand the deepest needs and we're ready and willing to act and put our money where our mouth is instead of just talking um and so i am hopeful that that can come to pass and you know the easiest thing that you can do is vote for julia brim outwards all you have to do <laughs> is open up the envelope and you can if you're in vote. district three that, that's exactly yes. right all you have to do is and you know what i want you to open that envelope anyway because you're also <laughs> going to vote no yes, on the capital gains tax no. which even jessica vega peterson the chair of multnomah county is telling you to vote against now when chair vega peterson tells you to vote against a tax measure <laughs> you vote against it <laughs> I mean, that is like um, 90s Bill Clinton saying, I don't want the McDonald's anymore. <laughs> I mean, she's literally saying, I don't, we don't need any more money floating around for any of this. And, and in fact, she will tell you, and as Alyssa Pishka told you when she came on the show, that there is money in place for these landlord um, these eviction programs for, for renters. There is money in place to assist renters who are being unfairly evicted. 
So, um, and, and I also want you to open the envelope to vote for Derek Peterson you, for school woo-hoo. board. Yes. Um, yes. And so did, did you read, I've got to ask you this because you have, um, you've been public about your sexually diverse children. I yeah. read in the Oregonian that there is concern. I've gotten a lot of emails that there is concern about Derek Peterson being somehow anti-trans. Oh, or anti-gay. Now, this man is, i, I he's a friend of mine. I've never heard a word uttered out of his mouth that is in any way along those lines. And in fact, it's the opposite. He's a DEI trainer. Yeah. He has certifications. He's been doing this kind of stuff for years. He said explicitly, I know the Tribune has a paywall. Everybody was complaining about that. Yes. In there, he did explain specifically he cares about LGBTQ plus um, pe- children and adults and staff within PPS. I mean, I have this is something I I mean I'll I'll ask him directly, but I I have never heard anything at all like this or seen anything that would suggest that. Well, and there was nothing coming up before the show huh. um since the sh- I've asked him directly since he came yeah. on. And he said, well, abs- he was just, he was dumbfounded. I mean, he's like, I'm just as dumbfounded as anybody else. And he yeah. he addressed it all in to yeah. the Oregonian. And I felt like that would put it to rest. But everybody's still, at first Ugh. it was abortion. Now it's trans because of some, like, an evangelical church that oh I... God. It's just, uh, um, it's a big... Somebody said, I went down a rabbit hole. And I was like, look, if you're going down a uh, rabbit hole to determine what the truth is um there's a simpler way to get there and i just encourage her to go on his website he told people when he came on here sharon that if you order a yard sign from him he will deliver it to your home so i told her to just get on the website and order a yard sign (laughs) (laughs) and then when he gets there you can talk talk to to him yeah and he will do it he will oh and you know what julia gave her cell phone out (laughs) i i'm like you crazy lady uh, what are you doing she gave it out twice yeah. and she's like text or call me here's my cell phone number she gave it out two separate times so these people are accessible that's what's so crazy to me is everybody's that's... acting with these emails and stuff you guys are acting like <laughs> you can't talk to these people you can this is that's you what's can. so cool yes. about getting involved in local politics this, yes. this isn't the Kardashians. They, they yeah. Derek does not roll like seven deep. <laughs> Ta- like Terry Porter is not with him at all times. Those are like you know. I mean, he's those are great photos uh, on the Ulysses website. But here's the thing: like Derek's usually just kind of by himself or with his family. And yes. when he shows up to your door with a sign, he might be with like a campaign person. But if he says he's going to do it, he's going to do it and fill out the darn form and. Tell him you want to talk to him or go to some of his events or sign up for the emails with Portland Party and find out where he's speaking next. Yep. So uh, call Julia. I mean, she said, here's my phone number. Text her. Yep. Send her a text. Tell her what you're concerned about. Um, she said she was really happy when she was canvassing because she didn't get any middle fingers, which I kind of thought was funny. But if you're yeah. one of those people who's giving her the middle finger, this so, it's so stupid. You're a keyboard warrior. You should... Tell her what your concern is. Yeah. This is a woman very who does not real. shy from conflict. No, she doesn't. <laughs> and she 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 is authentic. She's real and and she's open to changing your mind. Like I, yeah, I think she she's is. open to learning and that's that's huge. Yeah, she she does not she she will sit and listen. And she will not shut you down. She won't block you. I mean, don't harass her. But um, I think then she might block you. Um, but, you know, she will t- 
talk to talk it out with you. And I thought it was really cool, Sharon, that she was actually going door to door herself, yeah. knocking on doors, like not just letting you know Portland party people do it all for her. She uh, she was canvassing. Yeah. That's very old school. It's she's totally not above this. Is the best. I mean, I love. Can- well, you're you know. good at it because but you're good at connecting no, with the <laughs> constituent. Everybody loves you the minute so, they meet you. So, it's true. I was just talking to who was I Stop. talking to about that? Maybe it was like um, with the event that you came to, um, the, a bunch of my neighbors were at. I mean, just every every single person there was just like uh-huh. that. That is the most incredible woman. Okay. I, I think okay. actually Stop. Vicky and I Stop. were talking I'm about totally, this. Uh, well, I have to. Yeah, you must okay. know this though. That is your yeah. gift. That's like your love language, right? Is like personal connection, I think. And um, like Vicky and I were talking about this when she was your campaign manager. Your gift truly is this emotional connection with people. Terry felt it at the mm. coin um, mm. panel with Jeff Gianola and mm. Elise Haas. And if it, you guys haven't seen it, you should. It's on YouTube. It's yeah. fabulous. I'll link to that too. Um, and then I think people feel it when you come on the show and that's why they want to hear from you. And I think what it shows in your writing I mean, that op-ed was, it wasn't just um, nitty-gritty. It was very, it was emotional. So thanks for doing it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming on. We're both going to tear up. I know, okay. I know. Well, yeah. um, but but you know what? That means that there's um, some emotional resonance going on, and there's not a whole lot of that going on in this city or county. Yeah. So I... I welcome it, frankly. So everybody, if you want to get in touch with Sharon, I'm going to um, put the links there. If you want to get in touch with Derek or Julia, you should do that. And I'm just imploring you to open your dang ballots. Do that. Yeah. I know it's not a gubernatorial election, but Sharon's saying like she needs this extra vote. It's this isn't a joke. It like, is so it is so important. I yeah, I, I can't overemphasize the importance you, you think you th- you think money's Either. going down the toilet now? Just <laughs> don't vote for Julia Broom Edwards and see what happens. Watch what yeah. happens. Watch what happens to the county. The way that Oregon is set up is yes, Portland is the blue dot in a red sea, but Portland is your anchor. That's your city. That is your yeah. metro. And so as Sharon and I were talking about, if you're in a suburb of Detroit, you're still just in a suburb of Detroit. You can move to Lake Oswego. But if Portland is still a crap hole or if Multnomah County is just a sinkhole of billions, you're, that isn't good for you, your city or your employment or your family. It's terrible for you. So we all are sort of rolling up our sleeves, and Kevin Barton gets that. In Washington County, the DA, that's why he keeps saying, this this kind of stuff has to change in Portland now because it impacts these other counties. So um, everybody should care about this. I know that not all of you can vote, but please encourage everybody you know to open up their envelopes who can do so, who's in Multnomah County, who's part of that Portland Public School District boundary, and who is going to have a say in this capital gains tax because that will also take Mm. us, if you don't vote no, on that because the Democratic Socialists will show up. So listen to Jessica Vega-Peterson on that one and vote no. Thank you so much for tuning in, and thanks, Sharon, for coming. Thank you.